It is nice to be back home. It is not true I spent 22 years at Andrews. I actually spent 25, a quarter century. Three of these years I was a student and I paid the high tuition. I worked every summer in factories in Chicago to make the money to pay back to Andrews. But then later, for 22 years, I got on the payroll, and it was a bad deal for Andrews. (laughs) They paid me a lot more than I ever paid them. It is homecoming, and my sermon begins like this. Home is a beautiful word, and coming home is a wonderful experience for most people, something we generally look forward to, food, family, friends, festivities. By the same token, we feel very sorry for those who do not have a home. Perhaps they never had one, or they lost it because of misfortune or natural catastrophes like fires and floods or adverse circumstances like war. They could not ever say, I'm going home because they don't have one. Some years ago, I stepped out of my office and met with a group of students around Thanksgiving time. What are you going to do for the break, I asked them. Most of them said in unison, we are going home for Thanksgiving and we can hardly wait. To one side, I noticed one tall, strapping young man remain quiet. And you, I asked, are you also going home for Thanksgiving? And he said, I don't have a home. He said it through blank eyes, very sadly. My parents are divorced, he said. My mother went away, and my dad will be with his new girlfriend. Then he bowed his head and walked off by himself. A 20-year-old college junior without a home. But homecoming is like coming home to our educational home, our intellectual and spiritual home, our alma mater, the home that nurtured us while we were growing up. A few weeks ago, while I was still in California, where we live now, an Andrews alum came to me to say that he would be attending homecoming here this weekend. I heard he is here somewhere on campus. I look forward to seeing my old buddies again, he said. It has been 50 years. It's time. I can hardly wait to come home. Now, a clever alum, like my friend, thought he should have some fun with it. There was something funny about it, he thought, because he noticed that at homecoming time, ordinarily very honest people can tell white lies one after the other and get away with it. This is how it happens, generally. Two elderly alums meet behind here on the campus. They look at each other, stop, 
turn around, look again, and one says to the other, No, it isn't, is it? I cannot believe it. Yes, of course it is you. I could recognize that face and that walk a mile away. How many years have it been? And you haven't changed a bit. That's the white lie part, and we all enjoy it, and we keep repeating it. That's the fun part. The serious part is that coming home is such a powerful experience in our life that it has become part of the Bible story. It's almost like a doctrine. In fact, it is a doctrine. One of the 28 statements of beliefs under a different name, of course. It goes like this. In the Bible, home is where God is. And we have been invited to come home once again and be with him. That's in the Bible, isn't it? You can come home again. It is the gospel invitation to each one of us. Time and again, some of us have run away from home away from God, away from family, and God wants to bring us back home. Just like the patriarch Jacob, you remember him? And the prophet Jonah, or Hosea's wife Gomer, or the widow Ruth from Moab, had all left home, and God wanted to bring them back. Or the brother of the, in Jesus' parable about the prodigal son, you remember, The father wanted to bring him home. Welcome home, son, he said when he saw him. Or perhaps some of us have ended up as migrants. There are lots of migrants in our country. Perhaps refugees, strangers, far, far from home. Perhaps like Abraham, our forefathers, and Sarah, his wife, or Daniel in Babylon, far from home, Esther and Persia, further from home, or Moses and Midian in Egypt, far from home. For some reason or another, we, like these Bible characters, have also left our home, and sometimes we also have left God's home. Perhaps we become refugees or strangers like Daniel and Esther. We ended up far from home, or we just drifted away or ran away from trouble, like Jacob, trouble with his brother, or Jonah, trouble with himself. We lacked our independence and found it far from home. Whatever made us leave home, the teaching of the Bible, the gospel invitation, is that God wants us to return home where we belong, to good food, good friends, family, and festivity. Come home, says God. That's the Bible message to us today, and it's in the gospel. And speaking of the gospel, Jesus told many, many stories about coming home, didn't he? There's a story about the three gentlemen who were invited home for dinner. But they turned the invitation down, too busy with this and that. What was it now? A piece of property? Or a pair of oxen? Or a pretty woman? The best excuse of the three, I think. No time to come home. But the host, 
and that will be God in our story, did not give up. He sent his servants out to track these busy people down and implore them to come home to dinner. You must come. You must come home, he said. Do not be tardy. Dinner is ready. At home, food is served. Come and eat before it gets cold. Twice he sent his servants out. A bit like a sheepdog sent out to bring the wayward sheep back into the fold. Some clever person noted correctly that in English the word God and like the word dog is the same except spelt backwards. That's just an accident of history. It has no theological meaning at all. Except that sometimes God does seem to behave a little bit like a sheepdog. Looking after the lost. Bringing home the lost as a shepherd would do. Some of you may remember when you were really young you read the poem by Francis Thompson, an Englishman. He wrote it in 1890. And Francis Thompson was a lost soul. He left home and wandered the streets of his city and never found it again. So he wrote this poem about God called the Hound of heaven. God is like a hound, a dog, who's always looking after lost people, lost sheep, fugitive children to bring them home. Meanwhile, we are fleeing from him, running as fast as we can, but he's right after us, pursuing us to catch us and bring us back home. That's Francis Thompson's poem. Here are a few lines. You recognize them, I'm sure. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him. And under running laughter, I ran. So we are fugitives running from God, trying to outrun him. But he followed right after. As we ran, he followed with those strong feet that followed, followed after. And with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat, and a voice beat more instant than defeat. All things betray thee who betrayest me. Francis Thompson, the hound of heaven, pursuing us, to bring us back home where we belong. So God is in pursuit of us to bring us home. That's the story of the Bible as we have run away from him. One of my favorite Psalms is the one you just heard, Psalm 84. Because it's a Psalm about a pilgrim who is away from home and trying to find his way back. It says at the head of that psalm that it is dedicated to the choir master. That would be like Steve Zork, right? He's the choir master. Composed by the sons of Korah. This will be the temple singers, like the choir behind us. 
And it says here at, that it was to be sung to the tune of Gittith. Well, unfortunately, no one knows what that sounds like. I dare you to go to the seminary where all the theologians are and ask them what this means, and they won't know. Even Susan Salk, who was singing, doesn't know that with her degree in theology. But Steve Salk found the tune, and I want to thank him for that. That tune to Psalm 84 was written by German composer Johannes Brahms in his Requiem, right, his German Requiem. Very, very beautiful tune that we have put to Psalm 84 about the man who ran away from God and was trying to find his way home. A pilgrim, maybe a refugee, far from home, traveling back to Jerusalem, going through the desert, up the mountain, down into the valley of Baca, it says, until finally, finally, he arrives at the gate of the temple, God's own home. And this is what he says. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. Even the sparrow builds a nest and a swallow a place for her young in your home at your altar, O Lord. That's where he is. Home at last in God's temple. And then he does something else. Amazing. He looks through the gate into the courtyard of God's home. And there in God's dwelling place, in the new home that he has just discovered, he saw something he had never noticed before. It just escaped him. He noticed the birds in God's house. A sparrow and a swallow building a nest for their chicks right in God's home. What a lovely place, he said. I could stay here at home in God's house. I could stay here for a thousand years. In fact, one day here in God's home is much better than a thousand years out in bad company somewhere else. Beauty accompanies the discovery of God's home. And I would encourage you to enjoy the beauty of the campus while you're back. I know it's fall. It's getting ready for the fall colors, but it's still beautiful. You might even see a bird or two. Beauty enhances faith, and beauty also enhances learning. That's why the campus must be beautiful. Pick up the pieces of paper and keep it tidy. Students become smarter if it's in a tidy campus. So, coming home is meeting friends like our psalmist, family, and God. But there's something else about homecoming we have to think about for a bit. We have to admit it, because it's true. For many people, home is not always a happy place for everyone. Yes, it is true. Not all memories from home are good. And even homecoming here at Andrews may have a few cloudy memories for some of us. Even Christian universities like ours, may have a couple of unkind roommates. It happens. 
or teachers who are distant, or staff not on not helpful, not to mention the freezing cold winters and the humid summers. Not all those memories are really good. We have these dark ones even here. It happens in our university home. It happens at our family home as well. Does it happen in God's home? We have some dark clouds sometimes. What about God's home? Let's say the church. Yes, it does happen sometimes. Some strife, some unhappiness, some sadness. How do we combine God's invitation to come home with these dark memories, unhappy memories we sometimes have? Just at this point, the Bible has another word for us about coming home. We read about it in the scripture. God said, behold, I make all things new, new home. There will be a new heaven where I live and a new earth where you live. For the former things have passed away and the sea is no more. The revelator is John who wrote the book of Revelation and he lived on a very small island at the time, far from home. It was a prison, not a home, a prison. He was a refugee from the Roman authorities on the island of Patmos and he longed to go back home. But the sea was in the way. He didn't have a boat It was all around him. How would he ever escape from that dark place and get home? Just then, he wrote the words in our scripture lesson, that God will make all things new. New heaven, new earth, new home, and there won't be a sea to keep you in the prison. No sea barring the way. Everything will be new. A new beginning, a new start. Nothing to keep him away from God's new home. And there's more. Isaiah the prophet also speaks about renewal in our homes. To wipe away the dark clouds. For behold, I create new heavens, says Isaiah. New heavens, new earth. The former things will be gone and will not even be remembered. That's how new it will be. This is the Bible teaching about overcoming any unhappy memories we may have in coming home. We may be displaced persons, migrants, refugees, or worse, rebels who ran away from home or simply drifted away. Our past life may be full of unhappy memories, mistakes we made, bad experiences and we would really prefer to forget the whole thing like the Apostle Paul you remember his life was full of bad memories from his youth from his home in Jerusalem what was it he did he captured Christians put them in jail and sometimes he put them to death bad memories and he was embarrassed And he wanted to get rid of them. And he wrote, forgetting what lies behind, I strive forward to newness. Forgetting, what did he want to forget? All those bad memories about tracking down Christians and putting them in jail. And yet every letter of St. Paul makes it very clear that he never really could forget that. He kept referring to it. Until finally he understood 
that in coming home, God had actually forgiven him. Even that. God's forgiving is our forgetting. God's forgiving is our forgetting. And there's a home with God's forgiveness where past mistakes are all forgotten because they are forgiven. A new beginning, a fresh start. That is what it means to respond to God's invitation. Come on home again. It's time. The former things are forgotten. That means forgiven. And a new beginning is waiting for us. A new start at home where we belong. Now, some of you may know, may, most of you may not know, that I grew up as a young child in a pastor's house. My father was a minister. And then he had to stop when he was quite young because the war broke out. And our church more or less collapsed. That was the Second World War. And I lived in Denmark at the time. And the soldiers from the south came and took everything away even our church offerings. And so my father had to do something else during the war years. And one thing he did was to father me. I was born on the family farm. And when the peace broke out after the war, he returned home, meaning he returned to his first love, which was ministry. And he became a pastor again. And he got four small congregations in Denmark, little ones, They didn't even have churches. They met in people's homes in a living room. And he had services for them there. Four different ones. That means that he preached each sermon four times in each church. My brothers, our mother and I usually accompanied him to church in these little congregations. And so I got to hear a lot of sermons. And I got to hear them all four times. One in each church. So I remember what he preached about, and one of the sermons he preached was about coming home. And he concluded his sermon about God's welcome home with a story. I don't really know if it's a true story. I'm not sure that it ever happened. He didn't say. I don't know where he got it from. I was too young to ask. But it is a retake on the story of the prodigal son. So here is my father's coming home story to the four little churches in Denmark right after the end of the Second World War. It's about a young woman who had grown up in her mother's home. There was no father. In time, living at home became a bit boring for the woman, constraining, restricting, not really exciting, And so she moved away from home into the big city, Copenhagen. And there she did rather well, got a job, but she didn't live a good life. And her mother worried about her and sent letters and prayed for her, but no difference did it make. She kept embarrassing her mother and saddening her. A few years later, her conscience smoked her, and she decided to make a visit home to see her mother. But by this time, she wasn't quite sure that she would be welcome after all that stuff 
and unhappiness at home. And so before setting out on the train ride home, the train passed by the, by the old home, she wrote her mother and she explained that she would take the train and as she passed the home, she would look out and she asked her mother if she would put a white handkerchief in the kitchen window and she would see it as she passed by the train and she would know to get off at the next station and make it home. And so she started out and looked for the house and she didn't see it. She saw other houses but not this one. Uh, and then suddenly she saw things quite unusual where the house was supposed to be. She saw something there. looked like a little house but she couldn't recognize it for it was completely covered in white sheets and white tablecloths and white handkerchiefs and pillowcases and aprons all white from the chimney to the foundation and she knew it was time to come home. So she did. Home to where she belonged. Home to where we belong. Home to forgiveness where all is forgotten. Home to a new beginning. This is God's invitation to us all. No matter how long we have been gone, no matter how far we went, and no matter why we left. Come home. Amen. Thank you.